Well, thank all of you for being in God's house tonight. Amen. So I know that brother, from my understanding, brother Jaron uh, Corner, I think his grandmother passed and uh, they're having that funeral tonight. And then brother Tyler is working and brother Ashton is on vacation. And I know there's a lot of people that are sick. And in fact, my wife needs your prayers. She's not feeling good at all. And so there's just a lot of sickness going around. But, you know, this too shall pass. Amen. Amen. And um, I was told that maybe I think Molly texted me because I asked her to stay home with her mom. And she said that maybe she couldn't hear on the live stream. So sorry, guys, I didn't get that to you in enough time. But if maybe you can help us with that, I think you're working on it. I'm going to just talk to you all tonight out of my spirit. Is that all right? So we'll just teach. And and uh, I pray that something uh, said will add value. What I'm going to do is is I'm going to um, I'm going to recap just a little bit about what we talked last week. And then I'll get into some new uh, teaching. So what I'm going to talk about tonight is what the Bible says about setting goals. And I asked Sissy to give you a brand new handout, but wouldn't you know it, the copy machine decides to break today, right, of all days. So it's broken, and uh, Lake Charles Copy said, no, we can't come out in time to fix it. So, you know, we just roll with it, right? I mean, you can get all stressed out about stuff, or you can just roll with it. So we're just going to roll with it because my peace is more valuable to me than just about anything else. And the older you get, the more you fight to keep peace. Because you can buy a pill, sweetheart, but you can't buy peace. Come on, somebody. Amen. And I thank you. I, I want you to know as your pastor, I pray for you daily that I love you, that I want you to be healthy. Hallelujah. In your body in your mind, and in your spirit. I want you to come and do more than just clap on a Sunday. I want you to live victoriously Monday through Saturday. I want you to know that God loves you, that He's crazy about you, that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And if God carried a wallet, your picture would be in it. Because God loves you. In fact, your God is crazy about you. In fact, He loved you so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we had ever attended a prayer meeting, taught a Bible study, gave our first tithe, and gave an offering, Christ already decided, I'm going to Calvary for them. That's how much He loves you. Never doubt the love of God. Can I talk to you now? Because God's love is wide enough, it wraps around the universe Hallelujah. And it's long enough that it lasts forever. And it's deep enough that it goes beneath your deepest hurt, your deepest pain, your deepest grief. And it's high enough that it looks beyond your faults, your flaws, your inconsistencies, your idiosyncrasies. God, not that he does not judge sin. One day he will judge all sin. But he loves us so much that he doesn't stop the relationship when we do mess up. He gives us an opportunity to come back to him. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for all of you. Thankful for you. And I pray for you and I love you. Thank you for being here. I'm going to give you what the Lord has just dropped into my spirit. We're going to talk about what the Bible says 
about setting goals. You can be seated. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and 13. This is the new contemporary version. It's a totally different version than normally what I bring you. But it says this. I keep my eyes on the gold so that I may one day win the prize. In other words, for this just to be a paraphrase, Paul is saying, I'm not up here playing air, get tired. I'm not up here just boxing the wind. I have a gold. I have a plan because I have a prize. And guess what? That's called intentionality. I'm being intentional. Listen, you can be, you can be lost by accident, but you're going to be saved on purpose. I'm going to say that again. You can be lost by accident, but you're going to be saved on purpose. Because I'm going to preach now. I thought I was going to teach, but I'm already feeling the anointing. You know why? Because there's going to be hurt in your life and you're going to make a decision. Is this going to get me bitter or am I going to pray through over it and become better? There's going to be a person in your life, maybe even a pastor, an authority figure, a parent, an uncle, someone that you love, and they're going to do you wrong. And you thought this person would never do me wrong. But you know what? They're going to do you wrong. And it may be, I'm not saying that God allowed it. This is just a thought. It may be so that you understand they are not your source. And you get your eye back on God and you realize, well, if this person can hurt me, then probably... Probably any person can hurt me because God wants you to look unto him who is the author. In other words, he started your story and he wants to finish your story. And everybody that started with you is probably not going to end up with you. You're going to have to say, I'd love for you to come, but if you can't come, I can't stay. I got a gold. I'm looking for the prize. My eye, my eye is on where I am going. This is why you look in your front windshield. You don't look in your rear view mirror to drive your car. You got to keep looking forward. Yes, that happened to me, but that's not who I am. I'm intentional. I want to be Christ-like. I want to please him. My mind is made up. Can I tell you, Hope House guys, one of the most powerful things you got is a made up mind. The old saying is, come hell, H-A-I-L, come hell, high water, sink or swim. I made up in my mind, I'm going all the way with the Lord. Can I get a witness in this house? This is what Paul is saying. He said, this one thing I do, not these 50 things I dabble in. This one thing I do, I press what toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because guess what? You know, people are going to hurt you, ridicule you, betray you. You laugh, laugh at you, lie on you and stab you. And you can allow that to get a root of bitterness and you can lose out with God. Yes, you can. But when you make up in your mind, you just decide, you know what? There's nothing or no one. We're going to hell over. I think I need to say that again for somebody. There is nothing, no amount of money. What if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? So I'm not judging anybody, but what, what if Warren Buffett loses his soul? What does all of his billions do for him? What if Jeff, the, the man that owns Amazon, doesn't, doesn't make heaven? What, what's, what's it gained for him? One of the richest men in the world. What if Elon Musk? Elon Musk undoubtedly is off the charts brilliant. He's just a brilliant guy worth 
billions, one of the richest guys in the world. But if he doesn't find God or doesn't have God, I don't know, I'm not his judge. But if he doesn't make heaven, what does it profit at him? Listen, I appreciate money because money solves many problems. But I'd rather be a poor rich man if I'm rich in faith and be saved. Come on, than be a billionaire. And I'm not trying to just take up your time. That I guess that was in my heart. Number one, here we go. Gold setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's a spiritual responsibility. Paul set goals. He said, I got my eye on the prize. I got a plan. Here's what I've learned. If you don't have goals for your life, you've already decided to let other people run your life. If you don't know what is important, other people will decide for you. You say, what do you mean? There's a lot of good people that got ruined because they didn't understand their values and their goals. And bad people got in their life and took them somewhere they didn't need to go and they wasted their life. Can I get even a little plainer? I'm not, I'm not digging on anybody, but a correctional facility will tell you what to do with your time. Correctional facilities will tell you what to do with your time. If you haven't decided what your goals are and what your values are and what is important to you, somebody else will decide what's important for you. Are y'all with me? Brothers and sisters, I'm not up here because I don't have something else to say. I'm up here because I believe this is important. I believe that goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Can I keep going? I had a gentleman call me and he said, Pastor, I think you maybe beat yourself up last Wednesday night, but I want you to know I remember what you said. I said, what you got? He said, gold statements. He said, golds are, are faith statements. He said, I remembered that. I said, thank you for the encouragement. Golds are faith statements. In other words, I am setting a gold and I am believing by faith that God is going to give me what I do not have to reach this gold. That is a faith statement. Did that make sense? Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 9 and 29. This is the ESV. According to your faith, be it unto you. What does that mean? You may not agree with this and that's fine. It's not doctrine. Here's what I believe that means. I believe that you in many ways decide your level of blessings. I, again, you don't have, I, I, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm going to just give you something to think about. Here's what I mean by that. If you want to think small, then God will bless you small. You want to think big, then God will bless you big. But according to your faith, so be it unto you. I can't get into this, but this come to me today. I don't know that I've ever read it, ever saw it, but this has come to me today. As I was studying and looking and preparing, I believe there's three levels that are involved in faith. Number one is trust. When I have trust and I have confidence in my relationship with God, I trust my access to the Father. I don't have to come in with a bowed head. I don't have to come in wondering if I got access. As a son, I got confidence. You read about Lincoln and you find out he had a son named Tad and he would have people literally lined up sometimes out the door waiting on him. But his son Tad got to walk right in and sit in his lap. And then Lincoln, President Lincoln would look at him, dismiss the other people and say, what do you need, son? You know why he did that? Because that was his boy and his boy had access. And when you get the revelation and I'm going to keep talking about it, I'm going to be like water on a rock. I'm going to keep dripping on you. 
till it gets from your head to your heart. When you get the revelation of who you are, you're not a dingbat. You're not a ditwit. You're not a dumbhead. You're not stupid. In fact, we didn't even allow the word stupid to be said in our house. It was next to a curse word. God don't make any trash. You may have come from the backside of the tracks, but if you've got Christ in you, you are a new creature and those old things are passed away. That's where you came from. That's not who you are. Come on, somebody. And when you get the revelation, when it gets from your head to your heart, I am a son. And because I'm a son, I've got access. The Bible says we can walk in boldly to the throne of God. Hallelujah. Even when we've sinned, we can still walk in boldly. Y'all know you haven't done it right. I haven't done it right. I'd re-say some things if I could do it over. I'd redo some things if I could do it over. There has been times that I knew I didn't do it right, but it didn't keep me from entering into the presence of God. Why? Because I, I know who I am. And I don't mean that with arrogancy. I mean that through biblical knowledge. I am who he says I am. So I have access to the father. Am I helping anybody right now? When you understand that you're a son, you don't have to come sheeplessly into his presence. You come in with boldness. Father, I know I did it wrong. Hey, let's go to the prodigal son. I think is it, what is it? Luke 14? When the prodigal son came to the father, the father said, you didn't say you ditwit, you dinglebat, you dumbberry. Why'd you do what you did? He didn't do any of that, did he? He said, welcome, my boy is home. He that was lost is now found. Bring, hallelujah, a new robe. Put a chain around his neck and kill the fatted calf. My boy is home. I'm here to tell you, if you've gone wavered tonight, God's not mad at you. God loves you. He wants you to come back home. He wants you to come to yourself and realize that that the father's house has more than enough to spare. He loves you. You're his son. You're a king. And as a king has dominion, a king has authority. I believe there's three things that relate to faith. And I was going to share this with you tonight. But here it is. I believe number one, when it comes to faith, is trust. Trust in my relationship with God that it gives me access. That no matter how I feel, I've got access to God. And guess what? I get to come to the front of the line. Why? Because I'm his son. Number two, I believe that knowledge is power. When we have a knowledge of the word of God. Satan, you can trespass you're trespassing on God's property. You, you know how, you know how God dealt with Satan? He didn't pull out a little New Testament. He didn't have one. He didn't even pull out a Bible because he was the Word. <laughs> so he said, Satan, it is written, but you can't give what you don't have. This is why I encourage you, even as you get older, memorize the word. Why? Because the enemy's not going to come to you when you got your Bible in your hand. He's going to come to you on the job. He's going to come to you in the grocery store. He's going to come to you riding down the road. And that's when you need to be able to say, Satan, I've got some knowledge of the word and I know you're trespassing on God's property. And the word says X, Y, Z. Why? Because it's in my heart. And then I'm going to speak it out of my mouth. Hallelujah. So I believe there's trust, that trust that gives access, relates to faith. 
And then I, I believe there's knowledge is power. The more you know about the word, here's what the Bible says. When you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will. It doesn't mean I'm going to ask for a 30-30 Winchester. That's not what it's talking about. It's not talking about you consuming stuff on your lust because you lust for something. It's just talking about when you are in alignment to the Father's will. See, the more you know the Father's will, I don't have to go around praying, is it God's will to heal you? I already know it's God's will. Now, does God heal everybody? No, I don't know why. Lack of faith, whatever, unforgiveness. The unforgiveness is one of the number one problems in America, by the way. But that's another story, another message for another day. But I know it is God's will to heal. Right? It's done. The same blood, ladies and gentlemen, that provided for the, the, the remission of all your sins is the same blood that healed your body. It's all in the same atonement. So when you know God's will, you know how to pray. And the more you know God's word, the more you know God's mind. Because God's word is God's mind. Are you with me? And then the next thing, the third thing here is what I think relates to faith is identity and authority. And here's, here's the scripture. There, there was a centurion and uh, Jesus, uh, he came to Jesus and, and here's, here's what he said. He said, uh, he said, my boy is sick. And the Lord just like, oh, well, I'm used to this. So, hey, I'll come to your house. And the centurion said, ho, ho, hold up. It's what he said. Check this out, y'all. He said, I am a man under authority. What did that mean? It means that he understood authority. And he says, when I speak, check this out. This is in your Bible. When I speak in the, in the book of Matthew 8, when I speak, people do what I say. I understand authority. So guess what, Jesus? I don't need you to make the journey to my house because I know I, I believe you're the son of God. And I believe you're under the authority of God. So if you speak just like I speak, something's going to happen. Did that make sense? I think when we understand, I, I can't prove this right now because I'm, I'm, I just started working on it today. But I do think there's levels of faith because notice what Jesus said. He looked at that man and he said, great is your faith. So if there's great faith, that means there might be little faith. I, I'm just saying. He said, great is your faith. And the Bible said in Matthew 8, he marveled at his great faith. I think there's levels. The more you understand trust brings access and the more you have knowledge that brings power and the more you have identity in Christ and who you are, it brings authority. Mm, I didn't read that folks. I didn't get that off the internet. Come on somebody. I think there's a levels of faith and this is why I want to impart into you out of my spirit you got to realize who you are. You are a son and a daughter of God. Pardon this strong language, but it's in your Bible. You're not a bastard. You are the offspring of Abraham because God engrafted you in. Yes, he did. I got Bible. Read your Bible. You've been adopted. That's Ephesians 1. You've been adopted. You've been accepted. You've been chosen. That means I have access. And then when I know the word, hide the word in my what? Heart. 
that I might not sin. Be ye transformed. Where? Where am I transformed? In my mind. So that I may not be a conformist to this world. We don't need more conformists. We need people that are transformed. And you have to be intentional. Am I going to be transformed? Or am I going to conform to this world? Am I going to let the world decide for me what my value should be? Or am I going to let God's word transform me? Because here's what you got to understand. This is an inverted kingdom. What the world says is important. God said, that ain't nothing to that. And what the world said ain't nothing to that. God said, that's very important. See, the world says everything that I can see, taste, touch, smell, feel, hear. That's important. That's called the five senses. God said, I don't deal with the five senses. I deal in faith. I deal in the invisible because the supernatural never bows to the natural and the spirit never bows to the flesh and God never bows to man. Are you with me still? See, and when you understand the power of the spoken word, then you'll start watching your mouth because death and life's in the power of the tongue. And instead of speaking what you have, speak what you won't. Oh, I got the flu. Well, okay, then that's probably what you got. You're speaking what you, you're, you're speaking it. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. You just don't realize how powerful your words are. Mm, okay. Hmm, here we go. Goes right back to, I believe, that goals are faith statements. With God's help, we're going to reach this. With God's help, we're going to do this. Does that make sense? According to your faith, so be it unto you. I think the levels of faith have to do with trust, a knowledge of the word, and I think it has to do with identity, which breeds authority. What do you mean by that? You put, you put, I know there was a man in here, Chad, Chad, you've been a police officer. Chad, would you stand up, please? Chad, would you come up here, please, right quick? Okay, here's, a, here's a, real quick, and I've got to go on, okay? Real quick. Chad, in these clothes, if he just pulled, had a whistle and went out there on 12 with just a whistle and raised up his hand, somebody may obey him, but he doesn't really have the authority of the state. But you put him in an officer's uniform, and then guess what? The whole state of Louisiana is behind him. It's just that uniform that is on that says, guess what? I'm a police officer, and I have the authority of the state behind me. So you stop, and guess what? Chad, with that uniform on, can stop an 18-wheeler when he don't want to stop because he wants to make this load. And he's ticked off and he's mad, but it don't matter because he's got the uniform on and he's got the whistle, and he says, you're going to stop whether you want to or not. When you understand that you are robed in his righteousness, and you understand you've been adopted as a son, and you understand you've got the garment of Christ on you. The devil may not want to obey, but it don't matter because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. (laughs) So much for this teaching. (laughs) That makes sense? 
And I, I can't prove it yet. I'm going to keep working on it. But I think your level of faith rises the more trust you get, the more access you realize you have. The more knowledge you get through his word, the more you realize my faith is rising because I don't have to take that. And then the more identity you are, I am a new creature. I am his. I'm his son. I am a king. My word has authority and I'm a priest. I represent God to man. When you get that and that becomes more than head knowledge, it goes to heart knowledge. Now you're operating in access. You're operating in power and you're operating in authority and no weapon formed against you shall prosper number three goals focus my energy goals focus my energy okay what does that mean it means you don't have time to do everything Here's the good news. You don't have to do everything because not everything is important. The key to being effective is to determine what matters most and forget everything else. What mattered most to me today was one thing. One thing only. To come here, have the anointing, and have a word to feed you. That's all that mattered to me. I didn't fold towels. I didn't clean the house. I took care of Janet, and I studied. That's all I did today. Thank you for giving your tithe so that I could do that. Because when you come here, I try my best not to waste your time. Because that's what a pastor is to do. A pastor is to lead and feed and pray for the flock of God and do it all in love. And thank you for your faithful giving so that I can do that. I appreciate it from the depths of my heart. But that's what I did today. Why? Because I, I don't have time to do everything else. You, you, you got to understand what, what is my lane? What has God gifted me to do? What has God called me to do? And when you understand that, you can let go of the rest so you can get a hold of the best. Then when you understand that, you can say no to that so you can say yes to this. Mm. Remember this. Your life moves at the speed of relationships. I'm going to say that again. I wish I'd have thought of it. I didn't, but... Here it is. Your life moves at the speed of relationships. What does that mean? It means when you understand your lane, what you're gifted at, then you bring people around you that is good in what you're not. When I first came here, I didn't have a brother Jason. I got a brother Jason now. Why? Because God brought him into my life. When I first came here, Kaylee and Jared wasn't up on this stage, but they're up on this stage now. Why? Because God brought them in because I'm not gifted where they're gifted. Are you with me? I didn't have a sissy. I'm not a secretary. I need one, and she's a good one. You see what I'm saying? And here, here's the problem. When you are a perfectionist, and you think you got to do everything, and nobody can do it like you, then guess what you do? You slow yourself down. Because no one can do it like you. So your life is not going to move very quickly because you think you are all of that and a bag of chips because nobody can do it like you. But when you realize, hey, guess what? I could do that, but that's not my gifting. This person's gifted. I could do that, but that's not my gifting. This person is gifted. Then guess what? See, when you start building a team, there's an old saying is teamwork makes the dream work. It can start with one, but one is too small of a number. It doesn't need to stop with one. It can start with one, but it doesn't need to stop with one. 
Because we all are the body of Christ and we all have a part to play. And when you understand, I'm going to teach y'all on this. When you understand, oh my God, help me. Help me, sweet Jesus. See, y'all been taught the hierarchy that the pastor's up here and you're down here. Because we bought into the hierarchy of man. I'm going to tell you something. That's not how God operates. He busted that hierarchy when he went to the cross. And we're now all kings and priests. There's not just one high priest that is very important. And then a few regular priests that are somewhat important. And then all the rest of us are down here that's not very important. Mm -mm. Jesus busted all of that up with the new covenant. I'm going to talk about it later. Hey, I'm going to just tell you something. If that don't ring your bell, your clapper's broke. Come on, somebody. If that don't light your fire, your wood's been wet. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about we got to get out of this hierarchy of man and putting me up on it. just so happens my gift puts me on a stage, but it don't make me any better than you. It just means I'm gifted different than you. I'm not more valuable than you. I'm just gifted differently. You're just as valuable as I am in the kingdom of God. I'm not going to make heaven first and you second because I'm a pastor. That's Dear God, we're going to have to have part three of this. Are you with me? All right, number four. (laughs) Y'all can tell I'm having fun. I absolutely love, 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 love. Thank you for letting me do this. It's an honor. Number four, golds keep me going. Hebrews 12 and 2. Here's the word. Here's the word. This is Hebrews 12 and 2. Jesus endured the cross. Why did he endure it? Look, look, look. He looked forward to the joy that was set before him. This is key. There's a lot of things you endure. Why? Because you want the prize. You know what? Jimmy, 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 wave your hand, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy probably likes to work out, but there's probably some days he don't enjoy working out, but he likes the prize. So he endures the workout to get the prize. See, this is what Jesus did. Jesus looked beyond. He endured the cross. Why? Because he saw the day of Pentecost coming. And he saw the New Testament church and he said, you know what? This is why my side was split and blood and water came out. What comes out of a mama when she has a baby? Blood and water. What was Jesus doing? He was birthing the church. And he saw the church on the day of Pentecost. And he said, I'll take that rip. And I'll take that whip. And I'll take that beating. And I'll take that crown. Because guess what? I see because when I wear a crown of thorns, they're going to wear a crown of dominion. And when my back is beat, their back's going to be healed. And when I am tormented in my mind, they're going to have peace in theirs. Come on. They're no longer going to have to go to the high priest because I am the high priest. They're going to be able to walk right through the veil and have fellowship and access. See, we don't really realize what the Old Testament had to go through because we didn't have to go through it. But I'm going to tell you, it's a big deal for us as sinners to get to come before a holy God. Because if they had one sin in their life, God smote them. Yes, he did. Read your Bible. Come on, somebody. <laughs> How am I getting off on this with golds? Number four. Yeah, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. Why? Because he saw what was ahead. See, oh dear God. He looked. He looked beyond the pain to the payoff. And that's what we need to do. 
Come on, I'm going to say it again. He looked beyond the pain to the payoff. See, oh dear God, if you do not get a long-term perspective, these short-term trials are going to eat your lunch. People will eat your lunch. Satan will eat your lunch because you don't have a long-term perspective. Listen, this is just all the junk I got to go through, but it's all right because I got a long-term perspective because heaven is my home. Mm -mm -mm. I ain't talking about you know, take a spray can and paint the streets a little, you know, gold. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about gold that's like transparent glass. Come on, somebody said that one emerald, that one emerald was 72 yards long. One gate. I don't know how they figured it up, but I'm telling you what I read. 72 yards long, one emerald. 72 yards long, one gate. Check it out, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to want to go. Because this is what Paul said. He said, I've seen some stuff, but I can't even tell you. Because it'd blow your mind and you wouldn't believe me. You got to get a long-term perspective. Does that make sense? Okay, I got to share this with you here. I, I read where they did a study. This is amazing to me. I read where they did a study of the Holocaust victims. And they studied those who survived all those terrible tragedies. You know, a lot of, they say six million Jews were destroyed under Hitler. Not only were Jews destroyed, but Muslims were destroyed. Uh, others were destroyed. Uh, death camps and all of that. And so they did a study on, on, on the Holocaust victims. And uh, wanted to find out, how did these people survive? I want you all to check this out. They discovered only one thing common with all of those people. Now listen to this. Every one that survived had something to look forward to. I'm going to say it again. Every one of them who survived had something to look forward to. Every one of them knew that there was at least one person waiting for them. Every one of them had something to live for. They had a goal. Check this out. According to this study. Those who didn't have anything to live for, those who didn't have anything to look forward to, those who didn't have any goals, they lost hope, they simply gave up, and they died. The one common thread was they had someone waiting for them, they had a goal, they had a purpose to keep living for when they got out, they knew what they wanted to do. For those that didn't have that, simply had no hope. They gave up and they died. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you goals are biblical because they keep you focused. This one thing I do. I'm not out here shadow boxing. I'm not playing air guitar. I'm not hoping, ladies and gentlemen. I am believing in a God who does not lie. And he said, I have gone to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I've said this many times before. I'm going to keep saying it. Everyone needs three things. Someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. Someone to love, something to do, and something to look forward to. You, you, you young bucks, y'all better listen to me now. As you get older, you need something to keep looking forward to. Because when you retire, many times you're, you're, when you retire, what you have done, your work has been your identity. And then when you no longer have that, now who are you? And what's going to give you purpose? Got to move on from there. Did y'all get that? Everyone needs someone to love, something to do, something to look forward to. Here's what I've learned. Golds keep us from being discouraged with short-term setbacks. 
Because everybody has setbacks. Everybody has failures. Everybody makes mistakes. But long-term goals keep us from being discouraged about short-term setbacks. See, a goal doesn't have to be big to motivate you. Let's say you had surgery, right? You had surgery, put you down. You need a, you need a, a little short-term goal. Hey, here's my first goal. I want to just sit up in bed. That ain't big, but that's a goal. Your next goal. I want to be able to dangle my feet over the side of my bed. Second goal. Next goal. I want to be able to get up and stand for a minute. Next goal. I want to be able to go to the bathroom without any help. Next goal. I want to be able to come back, lay in my bed, get up, dangle my feet, walk to the bathroom by myself. Next goal. I want to go home. All a series of short little goals. How do you eat an elephant? A bite at a time. Are you with me? <laughs> Some of y'all got that revelation. See, we, we, we all like, well, if I can't do it all, I ain't going to do it. Well, you, you, you're not going to accomplish a lot in your life then because you don't understand the power of small steps. Come on, somebody. Success isn't one big leap. It's many small steps. And we know that goals do not accomplish themselves. And hope is not an effective strategy. Well, I hope so. I'm sorry. We ain't hoping to get this church built, are we, Jason? We got a plan. I sat and told somebody that plan, too. Number one, I'm going to tell you what you need. Oh, dear God, I'm not the best speller in the world, but I, I think I can handle this. The first thing we need, we need a plan. That's the first thing you need. What's the plan? And then the next thing you need, I can't take the time to write this down. Is this coming up on the screen? Next thing you need is a strategy. I got a plan. Okay. Now, number two, what's my strategy? And then the next thing, here, here, here's what we Pentecostals don't like. Oh, God, we hate this. Who am I accountable to? Oh, we hate that. I was blessed, God. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. And I don't need to be accountable to nobody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Listen, 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 listen to me, sweet people. Listen to me, listen to me, please. Listen, I'm not here to change you. I can't change you. There's only one person I can change is that's myself. So if you're happy where you are, I, I'm really not even talking to you. I'm talking to the hungry, the hurting, the honest and the humble who want to go forward. If you're happy where you are, then all I would say to you is maybe take this teaching and pass it on to maybe somebody that needs it. But I'm not here to change you. If you're happy where you are, then you stay where you are. But I'm talking about for people that say, you know what? I don't want to be where I'm at next year at this time. If you want to grow, then guess what? You're going to need three things. You're going to need a plan. You're going to need a strategy. And number three, you're going to need somebody that you can be accountable to. You need accountability. What is what is what does that mean? Here's what it means. Okay, we've been taught. Here's what we've been taught. And it's not bad. It's just not, not complete. It's part complete. We've been taught, 
Pray about it. Pray about it. Pray about it. Guess what? Jesus prayed about it, but he got up and he did something. Jesus prayed a lot, but then he got up and did something. And we've just been taught, pray about it, pray about it. I'm going to tell you all something. If the world operated the way the church operated, anyway, a dream without a strategy is just a hallucination. A goal without a plan is just a wish. And a lifestyle change without accountability is just a fad. Okay, I'm going to say them again. Here we go. A dream without a strategy is just a hallucination. A goal without a plan is just a wish. And a lifestyle change without accountability is just a fad. Here's what I know for sure, ladies and gentlemen, and I need to stop. A year from now, you, me, all of us, TPC, will be in the same place or worse if we don't change our strategy. Just as simple as that. We can keep praying. I, life, prayer is a lifestyle for me. It ain't a, I hitting on it on Monday and then I, I pick it back up on Friday. Prayer is a lifestyle for me. But I want to do more than just pray about it. I want to have a plan. We want to have a strategy. I'm going to keep praying about it, but then I'm going to get up and we're going to try to do something about it. Why? Because we believe we have the ability to disciple 600 people. And in seven years, we believe 600 people can be worshiping because we want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. You say, Pastor, why do you count people? Because people count. That's why, because people count. But if we do what we need to do, then the score is going to take care of itself. And y'all listen, if we're trying to reach 600 so we can post on Facebook, we reach 600. We're juvenile. We're juvenile. You hear me? It's, it's, it's the total wrong reason. If that's your reason, that's juvenile. Your reason better be because Jesus told us to go make disciples and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. It is our, listen, we got to be more concerned about the mission. We got to be more concerned about the mission than our preferences. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry here, and I'm going to wrap this up, but I'm going to tell you right now, positive changes don't just happen. It don't just happen because you pray about it. It starts with that, but it don't end with that. To get unstuck, when our musicians come, to get unstuck and to live our life to its full potential, we need three things. We need a plan. We need a strategy. And we need accountability. Would you stand with me? Man. Mm. I got to page six and I got 12 pages of notes. Boy, I rambled a lot tonight. I'm sorry, y'all. I didn't mean to, but it felt good when it was. (laughs) Mm. Okay, so I can't help myself. I just can't help myself. Okay, so I'm going to get I'm going to I'm going to get very practical. All right. So something very easy. So let's say. That you say, okay, pastor, plan, 
Strategy accountability. Okay, got that. What, what, what do you mean by that? All right. Let's say this. Let's say my plan is to read the Bible through in one year. What do I do? Well, they've got a lot of Bibles out there that's a Bible plan that you can read it through in a year. So that's pretty easy. Or you can decide this book has this many pages and I think I can read this many days in the year and I divide this many pages by this many pages I think I can read in a year and decide, okay, that's five pages a day. I can do that. There's a lot of different ways, but you need a plan. Then you need a strategy. How are you going to do that? I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to wake up at 710 and I'm going to read for 30 minutes. I'm going to read from 7 to 730. Okay. Now, then you need, you need an accountability. I'm going to go to Brother Carl and I'm going to tell Brother Carl, Brother Carl, this year I want to read the Bible through. I'm going to read about five to seven pages a day. I need to wake up at seven o'clock and, uh, I need to read five days a week. So, hey, do you mind calling me at seven? And then do you mind asking how I'm doing? Guess what? We can get the plan and we can get the strategy. This accountability. Mm-hmm. Okay, good luck with that. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, sweet people, something right now. Here's what I've learned. Good luck with changing by yourself. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Hope it works out for you. I do hope it works out for you. It don't work out for many, but maybe you're the exception. Hope it works out for you. Why? Because God never designed you to do this by yourself. He designed you to do it in community. Why? So that you don't get prideful and lifted up. You know what prayer is? Every time you pray, you're pushing down pride. Every time you pray, you push down pride. You know why? Because you're saying, God, I need you. Because everything in you says, I want to be God and I can do this by myself. And every time you pray, you're humbling yourself and saying, God, I can't do this. And every time you read this Bible, you're humbling yourself and you're checking your ego because it's not within man to direct his own steps. But the word of the Lord is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway. And then when you get accountability in your life, guess what? Things start taking place. Because now... If they're a good friend, you don't want to disappoint them. Father, I thank you. God, I'm serious. If I stayed up here for the next hour, and I'm not, and just said thank you for letting calling me to preach your word, thank you. I get so much joy from it. Thank you for just an incredible body of Christ. I love De Quincey, and I thank you that you call me here. And I thank you, God, that the best is yet to come. And Lord, we're going to pray about it, but we're also going to do something about it. Because this is a partnership. Without you, we can't. And without us, you won't. And so we're going to labor together. We're co-laborers together. And we want to take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can. In Jesus' name. Now, would you stand there just a minute? Just, Just give yourself 15 seconds. Say, Lord, would you let this word go from my head to my heart? Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you.
Father, we want to do more than just hear your word. We want to be doers of your word. Father, once again, I thank you for the body of Christ and the precious people of God. I pray, Father, that you would give us all a good night's rest. Help us to wake up refreshed and ready to face the day. Give us wisdom, Lord, that we don't have because our spirit knows what our mind doesn't. Give us the right words to say at the right time. Put us before the right people. Open up the right doors and close all the wrong ones. And God, bring us back at the appointed time in the name of the Lord. And God, I speak a word of faith and healing over Janet Lee Nealon. God, that you touch her from the top of her head to the sole of her feet. I rebuke every spirit of sickness in the name of Jesus. I rebuke sickness off of your people. Father, you spoke a word to me two Tuesdays, several Tuesdays ago that says I'm going to restore health. And Father, you're not a man that you should lie. So I thank you for the restoration of health in this body of Christ. In the name of Jesus, we claim it because we know your word. Because healing is the children's bread. And by your stripes, we were, past tense, healed at Calvary. In Jesus' mighty name. Do you receive God's word tonight? I guess I just called you all up here out of habit. I'm sorry. I'm not really touching anybody tonight just because Janet's been sick and I want to protect you. But no, I love you with all my heart. I'm praying for you. I'll be praying for you in the morning. I pray you have a good night. So just know I love you. I probably won't hug you or touch you. Not because I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling great. But I just want to protect you. So I love you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. All you guys, I love y'all. God bless you. You're dismissed.